So Colossians chapter 3, a great chapter, uh, teaching uh, given to those who are risen with Christ. And uh, the wonderful language there in the opening verses uh, refers to the fact that um, the other way it's expressed, we are dead and our life is hid with Christ in God. And uh, so the passage is directed to those who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, those who have uh, seen uh, their sin, their need of a Savior, and have uh, responded to that gospel message. But the Lord has uh, some instruction for us uh, that affects our living uh, here. One day when we see the Lord, uh, John tells us that then we will be like him. Uh, but we're not there yet. And so in the meantime, there is this purifying of ourselves. Again, not a work that we do of ourselves. We participate in it. We ask the Lord to do it in us. We yield ourselves to the work of his spirit and the counsel of his word. And uh, thankfully, right, uh, the Lord does this, right? It's a great work, a wonderful thing to see Uh, The transformation taking place in our lives, we can look back and say, you know, I'm not there yet, haven't attained yet, but I'm not where I was, right? And that's a testimony to the grace of God. We've uh, looked, worked our way through the put off and the put on uh, parts of this passage, and we've come to the the closing section where uh, the Holy Spirit, using uh, the the Apostle Paul's pen, uh, speaks to our human relationships. And so we have wives in verse 18, husbands in verse 19, and then here's where we are last week and again tonight, verse 20, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. And then, fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. And then it follows with servants and masters. So these human relationships, and uh, we find ourselves a party to one or more of these human relationships. And so the Lord is giving us instruction. Uh, Obviously, these verses are not exhaustive, in other words, Uh, There's more to a husband-wife relationship than what those two verses say. Uh, There's more to a child-parent relationship than what those two verses say. But certainly these are part of those relationships, an important part, one that the Lord does want uh, emphasized for us. And so we consider it. Um, We dealt with verse 20, uh, the command that is given to children. Uh, last week, and so we won't review all of that, except that we noted that given the nature of children, uh, this command is also a command to their parents, right? Because, you know, a very young child can't read this command, right? A very young child needs someone to teach them this command. And that certainly, um, as the scripture clearly uh, sets before us, Deuteronomy 6, various other passages, even this passage, Ephesians 6, uh, that that falls to parents. It is God's will 
that parents would come to know him and that they would then turn around and teach his truth uh, to their children. And of course, one of the things that we are to teach our children is that it ought to matter to us what is pleasing to the Lord. And so the motivation that is given for children to obey their parents is that's pleasing to the Lord. The Lord is pleased with that. And uh, again, our desire would be as parents that our children would come to uh, saving faith themselves, that they personally would have uh, the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. And uh, if they do, then of course he will... Uh, do this work in them to bring them to love the Lord more and to love what he loves more. And uh, it's our privilege to uh, teach them that. But there's a 21st verse, and this is directed uh, directly uh, to parents. Uh, Fathers are identified, and of course, um, fathers in God's economy, are to be the head of their home. And uh, they are, it's not that that mothers are allowed to provoke their children, (laughs) no. Um, But fathers are definitely to take the lead and uh, mothers would would support them in that. That's God's uh, arrangement. Uh, So we will interchangeably speak to fathers and to parents. And uh, so mothers uh, certainly know that uh, the Lord has you in view as well in your role as a parent in interacting with your children. And so a command is given to fathers here, to parents. And God commands fathers to not provoke their children. And we will uh, explore uh, what that means and how that works uh, in the course of this message. Now, I want to begin by commenting on what this does not mean. Right? Sometimes it's helpful to kind of come around and look at it from the backside uh, to make sure that we understand it. So, what does this what this does not mean? First of all, we're going to consider. Note that the command, as it is stated, is provoke not your children. And in my edition of the King James Version here, uh, to anger is in italics. Uh, So that means that the translators have added those two words. Uh, to try to flesh out the idea. Uh, Other translations uh, translate this command uh, in various ways. For example, uh, do not exasperate uh, your children is uh, one of the ways that this is translated. So what what is interesting though, in Ephesians 6, uh, we have a parallel passage and... uh, Ephesians 6 also speaks to the child-parent relationship. And verse 4 of Ephesians 6 says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, 
but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And what is interesting is that it's an entirely different word that is used in Ephesians 6. And that word very certainly and clearly does mean provoke to wrath. And then, of course, the not. Don't do this, right? Okay, so, so certainly in Ephesians 6, we are commanded to not provoke them to wrath or anger. Uh, Colossians 3 being a parallel to that. And when we have this different word uh, that is translated, do not provoke, um, certainly it's right to, to, to include the idea, the warning about a parent not provoking his children to anger. Right? So, very clearly, the Lord is teaching that in the Ephesians passage, and it, it's not, it's not uh, a wrong understanding to see it in the Colossians passage, right? But we're going to expand on the point in Colossians uh, through the course of the message. All right, so given the fact that in the parallel, there certainly is this warning about provoking our children to anger, what this does not mean is that any time my child responds in anger to me and my, in, my dealing with him, that doesn't mean that I've necessarily violated this command. So in other words, I'm interacting with my child. My child responds in anger. Oh no, have I sinned? Because the Lord commands me, do not provoke them to anger. Right? So we need to be careful that we don't go there, right? So that if I interact with my child, whatever it is that I'm doing with them, and they respond to me in anger, that does not necessarily mean that I have violated this command. It could mean it, but it doesn't necessarily mean it. In other words, children sometimes sin. That's no surprise, right? But children sometimes sin. Sometimes they respond in sinful anger, even though a parent was dealing with them in an entirely godly manner. Right? They may themselves have a sinful response of anger. By the way, um, anger is an interesting topic. Uh, the Bible has anger or wrath. This is an aside, right? Um, this isn't the message. <laughs> But the Bible has uh, quite a bit to say about anger and wrath. And uh, what is so interesting is that what we find is most of the time when anger or wrath is connected with human beings, most of the time, not always, but most of the time, that human being is sinning. And uh, so, you know, we just have a problem that way, right? That that we 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 find it difficult to manage our passions, our responses, and not cross the line into sin, right? What's also interesting is that the Bible very clearly speaks about God 
being angry and God having wrath. And we know from the Bible's testimony that when it's God, he's never sinning, right? So that tells you that it is possible to have wrath or anger and not be sinning. But again, given the counsel of Scripture, uh, we need to be very careful, right? And uh, be on guard lest we find ourselves on the human end and actually sinning. So that's not really the point that is being made here, but I did want to bring that again to our attention. So what this does not mean is that every time my child responds to me in anger, as I've been dealing with them, it does not necessarily mean that I have violated this command. So in other words, I don't have to walk on eggshells, right? Thinking, oh no, I, I, I don't want to you know, push my child into anger, then I'd be sinning. Okay? So that's not the right way for us to be thinking about that. Obviously, the Lord is concerned about something here. There is a, a prohibition that he is speaking to us. There is a command that he is telling us not to do this, right? So uh, very clearly the Lord is wanting us to be careful, um, but we need to be make sure that we don't run too far, right? And make little child, little Freddie or Sally or Susie or whoever, right? You know, her or his, you know, temper tantrums or whatever being the thing that is uh, controlling us, right? So we need to be uh, on guard there. But the passage does uh, make clear that the stated concern, what the Lord is particularly concerned about, and Colossians is the one that gives us this, uh, Ephesians, the parallel does not. The stated concern is that the child not be discouraged. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. This term uh, discouraged is found only here in our New Testament. And it means, uh, one dictionary puts it this way, to be or to become disheartened and hence lack motivation. Another dictionary defines it to be disheartened, dispirited, broken in spirit. Okay. So the Lord's concern is that our interaction with our children would bring about this result where they are, they're just discouraged, right? Their spirit is just broken, right? And, uh, you know, crushed in a sense, right? And so the Lord is very concerned uh, that we would not interact with them in such a way as to bring that uh, about in their uh, in their hearts and in their lives. So the verse is connecting that discouragement with the father's provoking interaction with the child. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they be discouraged. Right? So there is that possibility that that result would follow my interaction with my child. And so this verse is given to us so that we can think about it, so that we can pull in other scriptures to make sure we understand what it is that the Lord is speaking to us. 
And by God's grace, we would not interact with our children uh, in the way that the Lord is prohibiting here. So what is this matter of provoking? As I said, uh, the to anger is not necessarily part of this word. Um, This word that's used in Colossians is actually used only twice in the scriptures. Interestingly, the other occurrence is in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, where it's talking about giving. And Paul, in verse 2, is uh, using the Macedonians uh, as an... Or no, sorry, I think he's using the Corinthians, actually, uh, as an example... 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, verse two, verse 1, For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them in Macedonia and Achaia. Sorry, that Achaia, Corinth, was ready a year ago, and your zeal has provoked very many. And the context is, you know, the the giving of material financial support to those that were in need in Jerusalem. And uh, so here the term is used in a very positive sense, right? So Achaia, Corinth's example, is such that as Paul talks about it, that stirs people up. Okay, let's go. Let's do this, right? And so it's used in a in a positive sense there. So in Colossians 3, though, obviously, uh, it's used in a negative sense. And so one dictionary uh, defines it this way, to cause someone, so in the negative sense, to cause someone to feel resentment or to make someone bitter is a possible understanding. And uh, again, one... one, um, writer puts it this way here the term so he comments on the fact that it's used positively in second corinthians 9 and then he says here in colossians it means to nag and as a habit because it's present tense right so present tense speaks of continuous repeated action and so it's this idea of this provoking this again and again and again, and you can just see the spirit of the child, chop, 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 right, uh, knocked down. And uh, so that's the idea. Another uh, writer puts it this way. Uh, it's used here in a pejorative sense, so a negative sense. And the idea is overly finicky or irritating use of parental authority can exasperate a child. That was an interesting way of putting it. Overly finicky or irritating use of parental authority can exasperate a child, right? And so I think there is a very important aspect that is brought into view here, right? Especially in the context chapter, or sorry, verse 20, children very clearly are placed under their parents' authority. They are commanded by God to obey their parents. Right? 
So the reality for us as parents is, okay, I need to understand that it is possible for me to exercise my God-given authority over my child in such a way that I am sinning against the Lord because of what it's producing in the heart of my child. Very interesting thing about life is that every one of us is under authority in our various human relationships. Every one of us, husbands, are under authority. To God, obviously, we all are, but to human government, we all are under authority. And oftentimes, in an employer situation, an employee could be a dad, right? Under authority. So it shouldn't be too hard for us to conceive and think of someone in a position of authority exercising that authority in such a way that the person under their authority is exasperated, right? dispirited, broken in spirit. And in fact, what is so interesting is if we turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. Keep your finger in Colossians. We will be right back there. But 1 Peter chapter 2. Bible geography. Okay, so in this series, uh, talking about human relationships, right? When we preached to wives, we turned to 1 Peter. Right? Any wives remember what chapter we turned to? Right, chapter 3. Okay? When we preached the sermon to husbands, we turned to 1 Peter. Anyone remember what chapter we turned to? Right, chapter 3. Okay, so look at chapter 3, verse 1. Likewise, ye wives, and then it talked to them. Chapter 3, verse 7. Likewise, ye husbands. Okay? And then it talked to them. But both of those likewise are pointing us up. So in chapter 2, what is so interesting is we have this. Verse 13. Submit yourselves. And he begins with commenting about our relationship to human government. And then, verse 18, servants. Be subject to your masters. Okay, so let's think. Folks, he he is dealing not in the same order, but the Holy Spirit through Peter's pen is dealing with the same human relationships that Paul is dealing with in Colossians 3. Right? Except he doesn't get into the children, the parent-child relationship. But the husband-wife, the servant-master, relationship to government, uh, Peter is dealing with those things. Right? And so in chapter 2, verse 18, when he's speaking to servants, he is speaking about those who are under someone else's authority. Notice what he says. Servants, verse 18, chapter 2, be subject to your masters with all fear, that is respect or reverence, 
not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. We use that word all the time, don't we? No, we don't. Okay, so what does that mean? New American Standard translates it unreasonable. English Standard Version and the Lexham English Bible translate it unjust. Christian Standard Bible translates it cruel. NIV translates it harsh. Okay, so, I mean, there are flavors, there are nuances in all of those various translations, but the bottom line is it ain't nice. Right? It's, you know, we're talking, you know, on the one hand, you've got a, a master who's good and gentle. And you've got a master who is this. Froward, unjust, cruel, harsh. The person in authority. Okay? In the servant-master relationship. The possibility is... You could be good and gentle, master, or you could be froward, master. Take the other authority relationship, the one that we're talking about tonight, parent-child. Folks, it's the same thing. You could have a parent who is good and gentle, or you could have a parent who is froward, harsh, cruel, unjust, that parent, in the exercise of their authority, would be sinning the way Colossians 3 is telling them not to, right? Because they would, by that perverse exercise of authority, they would be provoking their child. Right? And uh, the Lord is saying, no, don't do that. Right? And what is, what is interesting, I mean, what the Lord is saying in Peter to servants is, he said, you've got to submit to both of those kinds of masters, whether they are good or gentle or whether they're not, you've got to submit. Right? And, uh, of course, he's calling a child to do the same. Right? But, but the Lord would speak to us, both as masters and as parents, and he would say to us, he would command us, don't do that. Don't be that kind of a person. Don't interact with your child that way. Don't exercise. You've got the authority. They are to obey you. But you need to exercise that authority in a way that is the way God exercises His authority. God is never forward. He's not. Right? And so in our exercise of our authority, we we've got the authority. We can, you know, kid, we can. Especially when they're little. Right? And of course, if you keep doing that when they're little, what you find is when they aren't so little, you've got lots of trouble. Because you have been failing in your exercise of your authority. And uh, so the Lord, this is what he's getting at. His concern is the response of that child, that they would be broken-spirited, that they would be disheartened, discouraged, whatever. And of course, 
really what he's concerned about is not just their little psyche. Really what he's concerned about is the fact that that will affect their relationship with him, with the Lord. Okay. And uh, we have a great, great part to do with that. Now, what's the solution? Okay. So here we have the Lord saying, don't provoke your children to wrath, right? Don't exercise your authority, your position of authority in such a way as to produce in them this kind of discouragement. Well, okay, I, I kind of see the issue. So how do I do that, right? I want to sign up to do it God's way, right? I want to sign up so that I don't provoke my children that way, right? I, I want, I want, to do it the way the Lord wants me to do it. Well, what's the solution? Okay, let's notice again, verse 21, back to Colossians 3. What is the first verse, sorry, first word of verse 21? I don't hear it. <laughs> okay, fathers. I know. When I'm sitting there, it's like, you know, come on, buddy. You know what the word is. I don't want to say, you know, anyway. Thank you for participating. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay. First word is fathers. We. Okay, sorry. Let me back up. To whom is that verse written? Aside from fathers? It is written to those who are risen with Christ. It is written to those whose life is hid with Christ in God. That being the case, every one to whom that verse is written, fathers, mothers, parents, right? has a father. We all have a father. The Lord. God is our father. So if I am to exercise my authority in such a way as to not sinfully provoke my children... Let me look to my Heavenly Father's example. Let's do that. Psalm 103. Psalm 103. And again, this, you know, you could spend a a fair bit of time because the Bible speaks of God as Father in, in a number of different passages, right? So we could spend a fair bit of time exploring that. We, don't, we won't take the time to do an exhaustive look at that, but I hope that the bits that we will will encourage you and uh, certainly direct you. And then um, as you read the scriptures, you, know, you can keep that in the back of your mind if you're a parent or a grandparent or a one day will be maybe a parent. <laughs> All right. But notice Psalm 103, verse 13. Like as a father pities his children, 
So the Lord pities them that fear him. Why? Verse 14. Because he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Listen. Your child is your child. He's made of the same dust that you're made of. You're not Superman. Right? I mean, you aren't perfect. You ever fail? You ever disappoint your father? How does he deal with you? Okay. So, dear people, yes, we got the authority. And yes, he did. He did disobey you, your child. Right? Okay. How are you going to deal with them? Don't forget they're dust. Just like your dust. Right? Okay, so, so our, in, and again, what's interesting is the Lord isn't dust, right? And yet he interacts with us with a full awareness and knowledge of our weakness, right? And this passage goes on to talk about, uh, where did it go? I think I it go it's before that. Yeah, let's just scan before sorry, I, I didn't write this in my notes. Anyway, yes, verse ten. He has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. Right? Now, again, that doesn't mean that the Lord overlooks sin, that he never deals with sin. You know, Hebrews chapter 12 quotes Proverbs chapter 3, verse 12. Proverbs 3 says, For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, even as a father the son in whom he delights. Right? So, And that chastening isn't pleasant, it's grievous. Read Hebrews chapter 12, right? It's not fun, right? It is chastening. It is scourging. Right, very strong word that is used there, right? So it's not that God is soft on sin, right? And of course, you know, the blood of Christ has paid in full the penalty for our sin. But the Lord will still, if we're a child of His, He will He will chasten us when we uh, when we turn aside from His way into sin. He'll why does He do that? Because He loves us. Right? And again, that passage in Proverbs 3, for whom the Lord loves, he corrects. And then notice how it's put. Even as a father, the son in whom he delights. Right? And so our thinking towards our child, here is our child. And, and you know, we are tasked with the responsibility of teaching and training them, disciplining them, directing them, steering them you know, uh, on the right path. And, and of course, they're kids and they're sinners by nature and they're off the path all the time, right? And it's a full-time job being a parent, right? Where you're interacting with your children and you're trying to teach and correct them. But, but may the Lord give us love for those children. May the Lord give us a delight in those children, May the Lord help us to understand that they are his heritage 
given unto us, right? They are a blessing from the Lord. The Bible talks about that, that you're, you are blessed of the Lord if you've got a quiver full of them, right? And so our thinking about these children needs to be that we see them as this gift from God and that we are to love them as the Lord loves them and as the Lord loves us, right? And so that needs to temper our interaction with them. We don't want to crush them if we love them what do we want well Ephesians 6 verse 4 says fathers provoke not your children to wrath but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord what do we want for our children we want to see them Rooted in Christ Jesus. Colossians chapter 2 talks about that. We want to see them rooted in Christ Jesus and growing up in Him, right? And coming to love Him and serve Him and live for Him, right? So we need to exercise our authority as the Lord exercises His authority, pitiful, knowing our frame, that we're dust, and showing mercy, right, as the Lord would show mercy. We deal with their sin, we correct them, we don't go easy on it in that, in that sense, right? We, we discipline as the Lord would direct us, but we do it out of love for those children that we would delight in. Okay, we already referred to Proverbs 3. Let's go to Proverbs 4. Okay, so again, the solution, look to your Heavenly Father's example and also listen to his instruction. And so here in Proverbs 4, and we're just taking one sample, actually I'll take two samples from the book of Proverbs, but there are, there are a number of um, statements here in this book. Solomon is writing as a father to his children, and uh, he, he is the writer... Right? The father in these passages is really giving us an example of the right way to do it. Okay, so listen to what he says. Uh, Proverbs chapter 4. Hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to know understanding. For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, Let your heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live. Now what is interesting here is You've got the, you know, keep my commandments. But there's this idea as well. Let your heart retain my words. Right? It's as if it's an invitation, an encouragement to that child to actually listen right, and to follow through. You see it perhaps a little more clearly in chapter 23. Let's turn ahead to Proverbs 23. Okay, again, all of these, these are words spoken by a parent who has authority over their child. Listen to what that parent says. 
Proverbs chapter 23, verse 26. My son, give me your heart. And let your eyes observe my ways. Give me your heart. Right? Again, that invitation. Right? There's not, you know, come on, kid. It's give me your heart. Right? That encouragement, the coming alongside, asking for the heart. Right? Not demanding it, asking for it in that sense. And what a, what a very interesting picture. Now, we've got another example that I believe is very much a reflection of God, our Father, and his heart for us. But it is so interesting that it, the example comes from someone who was not a father, who was not a parent. Turn with me to First Thessalonians chapter 2. Okay, so I'm wanting to not provoke my child so that they would be broken in spirit. I'm wanting to not exercise my authority so as to bring about that wrong result. Right? I don't want to be froward or harsh or cruel right? or unjust. I want to exercise my authority in a godly manner. What is so interesting here is you have testimony of the Apostle Paul. This man was not married. He had no children. But he knew God. And so he, in in speaking, personal testimony, reminding this church of his interaction with them. Who is he? He's an apostle. He's in a position of authority. Right? True? He's an apostle. He's in a position of authority. Right? Now listen to his description of how he interacted with those who were under his authority. Verse 6. We're jumping into the middle of the passage, but hopefully it's sufficient. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse, and the idea is it's a nursing mother, a parent, even as a nurse cherishes her children. So, listen to his words. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but our own souls. Why? Because you were dear unto us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, We preached unto you the gospel of God, 
You are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. We were not froward and unjust and cruel. We weren't. right? And then he goes on, uh, as you know, verse 11, how we exhorted and comforted and charged. Every one of you as a father does his children. That's a godly father. Right? That's, that's the example. That's what I want to be to my children. Right? As a nurse cherishes, so affectionately desires my own soul. That they would come to know God. And that they would be encouraged to walk and live for him. Right? And I am in a position of authority over them. And God forbid that my exercise of my authority would in any way hinder their relationship with the Lord. Cause them to be dispirited or discouraged, downhearted. He goes on that you would walk worthy of God who has called you unto his kingdom and glory. For this cause also we thank God without ceasing because when you received the word of God which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of man but as it is in truth the word of God which effectually works also in you that believe. And folks, if you are a parent you know, you need to be thinking the same way about your children. You, you, God would have you give to your children the Word of God just the same way that the Apostle gave it to those Thessalonian unbelievers that are now believers, right? And give to your children the Word of God, interact with them. Surely, dear people, surely, Surely an apostle's interaction with total strangers, right, that would come to the gospel and come to be saved and so on, but surely his interaction with these total strangers should not be better than your interaction with your own flesh and blood. Right? Surely, if, if the example of a mother and a father and their interaction was good for an apostle with the church. Surely it's right for parents with their children. Right? And so, folks, God's word gives us an example in the Lord himself and in people like the apostle Paul who knew the Lord. It's no accident that he uses that language. He uses father-mother language in testifying to his care for those people. And so he stands as an example for us. And uh, may the Lord help us. All right? So, again, easy to preach. The challenge is in the living. Right? Does God want us to succeed in the living? Of course he does. Right? So let's ask him for that. Right? Let's ask him to move us from where we are. Right? 
Now, I personally am in a position where all of my children are adult children. But I still have interactions with them. And I do have some grandchildren. And I occasionally, they live too far away, but I, you know, I still have interactions with them. Right? And we had some children over to our house today. They weren't my flesh and blood, but they were children. And I had some interactions with them. Right? Folks, this is for living. Right? This is for living. And the Lord wants us to live these things. Right? He wants us to think about these things. He wants us to understand that, that the exercise of authority brings with it great responsibility. Right? You, yes, you've got the authority, but you must exercise it in a godly manner. That's what the challenge is. Right? So may the Lord help us. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, how we thank you for your word. Uh, you speak to our need. And Lord, you have reminded us of this very important relationship, that of a parent with his or her children. And Lord, again, none of us are sufficient for this. We, we, we come so far short in and of ourselves. But Lord, we believe your word and we believe that your counsel is true. And we believe that you are pointing us in the right way for us to go. And so, Lord, I pray your help for every father, for every mother, every grandfather and grandmother. Lord, I pray your help. And even for us as we interact with the children around us, like the apostle with that church, Lord, help us to be gentle. Help us to exhort and encourage and comfort those in need around us. And Lord, I pray that you would be glorified. And I pray, Lord, that you would use our lives lived in this way to greatly magnify your Son and to draw hearts unto him. He is worthy. And so, Lord, may our living be useful in the accomplishing of eternal good in the lives of those whom our lives touch. Help us, Lord, we pray. Help us to be the right kind of father, the right kind of mother uh, to our children and grandchildren. Lord, we need your help and we ask you for it. Uh, one day we'll be done sinning. But until then, Lord, thank you for reminding us. Remind us again when you know we need it. And we pray, Lord, that you would do in us this good work. It is a good work. And we do ask you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.